Hey, security peeps. I am excited to be here back with you today on this Breaking Into Security, Cybersecurity webinar series. I am here with my co-host. I am Renee Brown-Small. I am the author of Magnetic Hiring, which is a book focused on cybersecurity recruiting. I am here with my co-host, Chris Folon. He is here with me, and he is a super cybersecurity professional. And I am also here with Lindsay Mannion, and we are so happy to have her on today talking about, hey, Lindsay, uh, talking about how she broke into the cybersecurity field. So I am going to jump right in and get started. Lindsay, can you share with us what made you break into the field? How long have you been in the field? I know you haven't been in for, for a super long time. Um, but talk to us about what you were doing beforehand and what made you want to break into cybersecurity. Okay, yeah, I started um, actually with physical therapy, which is kind of a big move to cybersecurity. But um, my brother actually works, did work for the Navy. Now he contracts for the Navy at Andrews Air Force Base, and he does cybersecurity um, security down there. Kind of got me interested in it, and I took a class. And I just kind of fell in love with security and cybersecurity. Um, and so from there, I got my bachelor's and then I'm finishing my master's now in uh, digital forensics and cyber investigation. And um, at my old job, there really wasn't any mobility. It was like more stagnant. And so I really found a lot of growth um, going into cybersecurity and I just really love it. So Lindsay, did you have a, so you had, you were already a physical therapist. You had a bachelor's mm -hmm. in physical therapy. I have. I had an associate in physical therapy. And then you went on your brother. It's insecurity. You got excited about it mm -hmm. and then went on to get your bachelor's. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. Chris, jump in. Um, what, what about the cybersecurity community outside of your brother being into it that um, made you want to become part of the community? Um, I really just kind of like the, the changing aspect of it, how there's something you can always learn. It's always changing. It's a very dynamic field. So you don't feel like you go to jo your job every day and it's the same thing over and over again. It's really dynamic. It's changing. It's um, fun most of the time. So um, I really like that aspect of it. And that's kind of what drew me to it even more. So tell us what you do in your current role right now. Well, how long have you been in the industry? <clears throat> Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. I have been in there not even. Uh, it'll be two years in January. Okay, perfect. So tell us what you do. Tell us if, you know, as a as a new person trying to break in, tell us about your day-to-day -day activities, what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Tell us about your job. Um, a lot of what I do deals with um, incident response, um, uh, malware. Uh, so we have, like, emails reported to us, and then I'll go down and do analysis of the header information, take the links, attachments, kind of evaluate those further. Um, if there's a security incident, I kind of, right now I'm running everything out um, from beginning to end of that incident. Uh, I also do a lot with the security awareness program for now. And so um, I do a lot with creating trainings and educating people, sending out communications to our associates about security incidents that happen, um, like phishing attacks, stuff like that. Um, 
And I also do a lot of legal forensics. So I do, if we have incidents regarding like in an HR matter, I will do all the forensics at our company um, that are revolving around that. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's quite a lot. And that's quite varied as well. Um, what were some of the challenges that you had, um, coming into it, uh, ramping up or even now? Um, coming into it, I came from a really different setting. So learning how the corporate setting is, is a lot different. Um, so just kind of learning how corporations work and how it doesn't, nothing happens overnight. And, you know, then kind of figuring out how much effort it takes to change anything, you know, so stuff like that was kind of a, a bigger culture shock in a way. And then, you know, just uh, learning how to manage everything, you know, the whole workload and all that was a definite change. No, I, um, I think it's just fantastic. I, I keep speaking to so many medical professionals that are breaking into the cybersecurity industry. Um, last week when Charles was on, he came from a nonprofit industry, but I talked to people probably in the last couple of weeks, it's been quite a few folks that have been in, one lady is actually a medical doctor breaking into, you know, trying to get into the cybersecurity field. She just finished her master. And then I just recently over the last days spoke with a nurse who is also, you know, going process and starting to like try to break into the cybersecurity space so outside of your you went and you got your master your bachelor's and then you went and you got your master you're getting your master's right now do you have you also um get any certifications or was it focused on higher ed um i do have my comp tia security plus um and I do want to get more. I'm kind of just focusing on finishing up grad school. I have one more class left. And then after that, I really want to get a few more certifications. Um, like the, I want to be like the forensic certified forensic investigator. I definitely want to get that one. And then um, just a couple more cybersecurity related ones. What were some of the um, transferable skills uh, that you had in your previous role that you feel are critical um, in your new role that, um, so people can see that what they were doing before is still valuable to what they want to do now. I think what, one thing is um, a lot of communication skills that I've learned from talking to different departments. Um, at my old job, I had to do that too. We had to collaborate a lot on things. Um, and just by talking with other people and learning how to communicate and kind of lead communications and really understand what people need and what they're talking about, you know, listening was kind of a big skill that I could bring over and kind of transfer that into building and building relationships in my new job. Um, when you, so talk to me about you. So you went to your brother, you, your brother uh, made you aware of the industry because you said he's in the Navy. He's mm-hmm. in the Navy. He was in the Navy. Now he contracts for the Navy, the contractor. So what? Navy contractor. When he, how, tell me how you got to your job. Like you were in school or you decided after talking to him that you wanted to break into the industry and, you know, you got the like 
Chris asked about the community and understanding like what cybersecurity was all about. Talk to us, like give us the steps that you took um, because a lot of people want to know kind of step by step what happened, what made you know what made you pick the degree program that you picked. Um, did you get a role directly out of college? Like, how did you go about getting that first job? Yeah, I kind of didn't really know where to start. So I just started applying to jobs that I thought I could manage or I thought like I had a good shot at basically. And so I kind of didn't know what to expect. And I actually got a call back and I think I'd say one thing is really to like prepare for your interview. I kind of like prepared and tried to get as much knowledge as I could um, and mm -hmm. get ready for it. Uh, I think if you could do an internship, that would be probably the best thing you could do. I really didn't have the option to do that because I already had a family and a full-time job. But I would say internships are a really great thing and um, you can get experience that way because a lot of times people want that two to three years experience for almost every position. So if you could gain that in any way, like through an internship or anything like that, um, I would highly recommend internships. What would be some advice um, that you would give someone in their transition process? Like how long was your search or um, what activities did you do outside of just applying for jobs to help you transition in? Um, I really try to research cybersecurity in general, like what's going on with the news. Um, and even in my first interview, they asked me, like, what's a recent cybersecurity in incident that's going on right now or just happened recently? So, you know, staying up to date with cybersecurity, the trends, not just the stuff you learn in school, but also stuff that's happening in the real world. Um, I think that could really help people. And you'll, you might get asked about that. And that really shows another level of understanding and kind of passion towards cybersecurity, I think. No, that's a really good point. Um, Tasha Gay asked, was it difficult to get in the field with no prior experience? I know last week, to tack on to that, last week Charles talked about the fact that he applied to 200 jobs. So I think, you know, when I get people, they reach out, they, that's literally like what they're going through. So. That's why I kind of wanted to know, like, what what steps you took when you were breaking in. Yeah, I kind of got lucky. And even I live in a pretty country area. Like, there's not a lot of um, big cities around us. Um, Cleveland, Ohio is our closest city. And so um, I actually got pretty lucky. I Within the first six months, I would say I probably applied to a few, not really knowing what if I would hear mm -hmm. back or anything. And then I heard back from Diebel and Nick Storff, and then that's kind of, it actually didn't take a lot, as long as you might think. And maybe that's because we're in a smaller community. It's harder to find security professionals mm -hmm. locally. So that might have helped me a lot, too. Now where do you live? Whereas if you're in a bigger right. city. Yeah, where do I live? Then? Yeah, um, I actually live, um, you know, not in Alliance, Ohio. It's small town outside, um, but I work in North Canton. Okay. I don't know if you've ever yeah. heard of that. It's about an hour southeast of Cleveland. Okay. Got it. 
in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that uh, in, in one of your interviews, they asked you, like, how do you keep current? Um, what are some of the things that you still do to keep current on the latest happenings? Um, do you use RSS feeds, um, blogs, podcasts? Like, what, what do you use to keep current? Yeah, here I, we are members of um, FSI SAC, so I use that on a deeper level. But also, I just go to like Threat Post um, is a good site to get stuff off. The Hacker News, um, Dark Reading, they have more information that's more security related that's not in the mainstream news, um, but it's still relevant to security pro professionals every day. So I would say um, Krebs on Security is another good one that kind of post relevant security issues. So if you could go to any of those sites and kind of just start looking at what's happening in the news, um, those can definitely help. Did you do, are you, um, outside of doing that, are you doing any like continuous, and you, you talked about your master's degree. So keeping abreast, I know is huge because people always want to know like, okay, what are, what's anyone doing? What is someone doing when they're, when they're on the job? You know, it's continuous learning. Um, and you talked about getting your security, you know, moving forward and getting the additional certifications. Um, what would, what would you tell someone who is brand new and they don't know where they're getting into because it sounds like your role is pretty specific to incident response um and some people don't even know what that is like they don't even know you know you're, you're saying it and chris knows what it is and i know what it is but maybe even explaining like to a, a, a middle school person you know explaining to someone like hey this is what incident response is and this is how you get into it um um, like what we can do. Um, so I guess if you, uh, I'm not sure what you're asking. Pretty much like if you were, because some people don't know, you got into an area in security and you're mostly in, in uh -huh. And sometimes it's so broad. Okay. So remember when you kind of like first started out, you were at this, you kind of didn't know what it was and you applied to various mm -hmm. Um would you is it would you be able to explain to someone like what incident response is and if they wanted to kind of like get into that area what they should kind of focus on yeah so incident response especially like if you talk in the cybersecurity, can um start with many different events like it can range from somebody received a phishing email which is like a malicious email at your company and they happen to click on a link. And so incidents or incident response would be um, from that beginning, the incident happens to following it through all the way to the end. So checking out what kind of malware it is, how it's affecting their system, um, what can be done to clean their system, um, depending on where that malware may hide or if it's gonna drop in a different location. Um, and so fully cleaning, making sure their device is clean. And then at the same time, kind of figuring out how this can be prevented in the future and then reporting those metrics back to um, people at an executive level, your boss. And so then they can, the SOC team, which is security operations team to figure out was a certain port open, you know, that this malware reached out and communicated with, what IPs can we block, what domains were associated with this malware, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
incident mm -hmm. response is a very technical area of cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. um, what were some of the things uh, outside of schooling that you used to help uh, gain your skills, uh, get up to speed quickly um, to fully understand the environments and how malware works and everything like that? Um, I think a lot of it is taking initiative and kind of doing your own research. And so instead of something coming in and then just sending it off to somebody else, even if we would escalate it to a different party, I would still do my back end research on it and figure out, you know, okay, we saw this malware. How can I learn more about it? So I would just take the initiative to kind of go on my own. Um, there are sites like virustotal.com you can use to scan general links and maybe from that link, it'll give you associated domains and stuff like that. So you can kind of start to learn how malware is related and how a link can hold malware and stuff like that just by, you know, Googling it, educating yourself. Um, hybrid analysis is another good site that um, you can actually drop attachments in and everything, and it'll give you screenshots of the attachment. I um, mean, it's an open source tool that anybody can use. And I kind of just found that, that one on my own. Um, Virus Total, I learned about that from my colleagues mm -hmm. and stuff. But you said Virus Total, and what was the other one? Hybrid, Hybrid analysis. analysis. So, um, being where you are now, if you had to start over, would you um, go continue down the formal education route? Would you go down uh, certification route, or would you um, focus on self training, self learning? Um, what which avenue might you advise for someone um, that you've seen has been the most effective for you? Um, I definitely think having a degree is um, important. A lot of people say, oh, you don't need a degree, just get certifications. But a lot of times they still want those degree and they might pick somebody with a degree over you. So if you could get a degree, that would be ideal. But um, certifications and experience. Experience is one of the biggest things I've learned. And um, you could be top of everything, I think, and not have experience. And it's going to be hard to kind of break into it, which um, is not fun. But I think um, certifications definitely help them to understand that you actually know what you're talking about. You know, that's one thing they don't want to these, you know. So I think certifications and definitely a degree helps. But experience is probably one of the biggest things yeah. that people look for, I think. To jump in there, you know, because I'm on the hiring side and I see, I'm pretty much seeing this every single day, experience trumps pretty much everything else. Um, and you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. You know, folks with a degree are just going to, because most of the companies, especially when you're looking at a lot of the Fortune 500 companies, like the, the barrier to entry is a degree. Um, and almost everyone there has a degree. And typically, you know, a person is a complete rock star, like completely, you know, blowing them away with all types of other experience for the degree to be, um, I don't want to say not needed, but for them to kind of like get through the channels. So to add on to what you're saying, you're absolutely right. Like it's a multi-pronged approach. The, the certifications are great because you're getting the continuous learning. The degree is kind of like the foundation. So it shows that you put in that commitment. Mm -hmm. um, and I get it that most, a lot of people, if you're working full time and you have other things going on, like it's tough, it's really hard, but that's one of the, the, the foundational pieces to getting in. 
Um, and then, like you said, experience pretty much trumps everything. <laughs> so, so if people yeah, can yeah. get that experience um, outside of actually getting paid experience, some of the things that I tell people sometimes is like, you know, talk to me about when they don't have like official paid experience. So like you talked about, Lindsay, with the internships, if they don't necessarily have the internships, if they have projects that they worked on, like you're in your master's program right now and you have projects that you're working on. And in your undergrad program, I know you have projects that group projects and things that you worked on. Facing that and playing that up because that is kind of um, a little bit of a sample of the type of work that you could be doing um, and doing your own self-directed work. All the points that you made, you know, going out there, understanding, going and looking at all the different, keeping abreast of the industry, understanding everything, not everything, but understanding what's going on that could potentially affect. Just totally key. And you're right, you're absolutely right. Experience is like what every single man in the world. <laughs> Everybody wants them all to improve. Yes. <laughs> Chris, you had something else? Yeah, if you had one, one piece of parting advice that you would um, offer someone transitioning in, what might that one piece of advice be? Um, I would try to, what helped me a lot too is like finding a mentor or somebody that can kind of help guide you, try to make connections. I think making, you know, getting on LinkedIn and making a profile and kind of reaching out there to people and not being afraid, you know, to get rejected and just kind of putting yourself out there and just going for it. That's probably the best thing you could do. Definitely, definitely. Um, that, that's something that I've I started doing five, mm -hmm. six years ago, and it's definitely helped me progress through my career. I've had lots of people that have offered me guidance, offered me suggestions, and helped me realize that it's it might be a long path, um, but it definitely helps you that you have that support from someone who's been there, who's done that, and. Um, kind of validating what you're doing will lead to positive results. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Chris, how we all met is through LinkedIn, right? Um, and how I meet pretty much 90 something percent of the people I meet nowadays are through LinkedIn. And so being that voice and having that social media presence and connecting with folks and Chris is amazing at this. Like he's out there pretty much connecting and posting on everyone's stuff when it comes to cybersecurity. And so everyone tends, then people get to really know you and see like, okay, outside of your, you know, job, job that you're, you're passionate about the industry, you're connecting with your peers online and then offline. I mean, one of the things Charles talked about last week was going to networking events and meeting people in person. And Lindsay, I wanted to ask, is that something, you know, having a mentor is absolutely like key, but do you also attend any um, offline, do you think do things offline and go to mentor um, networking, cybersecurity networking events? Um, I don't, we do have, um, we're members of like Epit, um, a NEOC, which is like a community up here of all cybersecurity professionals that will meet and kind of discuss things. And so it does give you uh, to meet these people in, you know, everyday life and kind of share what you're seeing and what they're seeing. And that definitely does help too. Meeting people in person is, mm -hmm. is great. I know Chris is a huge fan of that too. 
Yeah, Definitely. I, I, I um, take advantage of the local um, ISSA events. Um, then there's smaller conferences like B-Sides uh, that are usually low cost or free that you can go to. You don't have to just go to the big ones like the Black Hats and the DEF Cons, but the smaller ones will also give you that personal feel of meeting those in the in industry and getting inspired as well. Yeah, and I feel like the local ones are even sometimes better for entry-level people versus like the huge, the black hats and the, the huge ones in Vegas, because you're really, when you're trying to break into the industry, you are most likely going to um, get a role area and building relationships with the folks that are on the ground that are right there, that they see you coming to the events every month and then they see you on LinkedIn or they see you at the various, um, they see you at the various um, networking, um, the conferences and all the various things that are happening. Like we know in, I guess, Chris and I in the DC metro area, but all over the all over the world, I guess it's gonna be cybersecurity month next month and there's gonna be a zillion <laughs> events, conferences, get togethers, all that stuff. And so folks that are looking to break into the industry would, you know, it would be who, these people to be at these various events, meeting people locally in their industry, you know? So, um, Lindsay, I know it's 1225, like Chris said, does anyone else have any additional questions for Lindsay? Lindsay, do you have any questions for us? I don't think so. <laughs> no, this is so good. Oh, I have a question, an additional question. You know, what's it like being a woman in cybersecurity? I don't know what the percentage of women to men is like in your organization, but um, how big is your department? And, you know, do you feel like there's any difference with being a woman in security? Um, our department's pretty big because we're a pretty big company. Um, but I think for my, the area being so um, not you know, it's kind of more country that there's not a lot of girls or women in general that are in IT or security or anything like that out here. So there's definitely a difference. And I think that being a woman, you have to kind of even try harder and kind of work harder to get certain places. But I think that's, you know, it's changing and getting better. And I always love to see another uh, woman in the field. So but yeah, there is there's definitely more men. <laughs> Than usual, than any other. No, it's definitely yeah. important from a, a diversity perspective to have different views. Um, men might look at one situation one way, uh, women might look at it a different way. So, um, and also cult different cultural backgrounds because um, I might look at things one way, you a different way, and someone else a different way. And then all three of us will come, come together and find a better solution than just one of us did. Yeah. I think, I think specifically in security, like it's so key to have diversity of thought. Um, just whole, you know, you want people from, well, I love like that you were a physical therapist. I absolutely love that. And I love to see people coming in from so many different fields because you're bringing in a level of knowledge that someone who just grew up in technology or grew up just in cybersecurity just does not have what you have, you know, and that's woman, male, you know, across the board. So bringing in that diversity of thought, just, you know, you probably, the way you look at a problem 
inherently is probably from your physical therapy training. Like, you know, how would I fix this person if they had a broken knee or whatever? And that translates into your role as a cybersecurity professional, you know, like the way you look at problems. So bringing people in, I think, from so much different, you know, these diverse backgrounds. And then, like Chris said, layering on top of that, that you're a woman and you're looking at things from, you know, that perspective. There's just so many perspectives. I think it's so key, specifically in this industry where there's so much change, you know, every single day. So, um, very cool. So, it is 12.28 um, Eastern. So, we have two minutes left. I wanted to add any questions. Lauren, thank you for your question. Um, Tasha Gay, thank you for your question. Anyone else have any questions before I do a final announcement? So, next week, we are having, I believe, let's see here. We have Jose Lopez. He is coming on next week. Um, and then after him, we are probably going to have Spencer Brown. I know he is um, lined up and excited to come on. So we're trying to bring in more and more folks that have just broken into the industry. Um, I am also, as you all probably know, have been working on boot camps. And so the first one that's coming out is what everyone I hear from you all probably dozens, at least two dozen people probably a day reach out around LinkedIn profiles and resumes. And the very first mini bootcamp is going to be about that. I will be sharing that link shortly um, around how we can get um, our, how we can get your LinkedIn profile. Lindsay, you made a comment about this earlier as well with having, you know, connecting on LinkedIn, getting your LinkedIn profile baked up because it is one of the very first things that people look at when you even try to connect with them, you know? So if Lindsay's profile had like therapy stuff and she was trying to connect with me, I'd be like, who's this woman? And you know, why is she trying to connect with me? So making sure that your LinkedIn profile is fully baked and then obviously that that and the resume go hand in hand. So that's going to be the very first mini bootcamp coming up. I am planning it for next Saturday and Sunday morning online. Um, so I will send that link out. And Chris said, continue to share and tag people, folks, anyone else that's here. Um, if and you know anyone in the industry who is has just broken into the industry, meaning under five years, we definitely want to meet with them and talk with them. So please tag someone and share this as much as you can so we can get more uh, people's experiences so that you can hear, so the folks who are trying to break into the industry can hear what it's like from different perspectives. So Thank you all. Thanks again. Thanks, Chris, for being an awesome co-host. Thanks, Lindsay, for our for answering all our great questions. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.